We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Art Podcast Network. As you can see on the bottom, if you're watching this on YouTube, go support our official betting partner at buster.com slash guilty and get 100% free play off your first deposit. All right, guys, let's, uh, well, first I got to introduce my guys and jump in the gun a little bit. Uh, we got Breaking Bad, aka Tyler here tonight. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Alex is supposed to be the guy who's ahead, but apparently you're ahead today. Um, but I'm doing very, very well. Thanks for asking. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, well, I had some uh, Wi-Fi servicing going on earlier today, so hopefully it's, it's doing all right. Um, Alex, how you doing, man? Yeah, uh, so for reference, Tyler's name is Breaking Bad because uh, he's using our Guilty as Charged YouTube account and keeps binging Breaking Bad clips. Not even necessarily clips of the show, but just clips of Brian Cranston in interviews. So uh, Tyler has single-handedly ruined our YouTube account with the algorithm. Yeah, I, I pulled up the YouTube app uh, a couple of days ago to watch one of the Chargers videos, and uh, I saw... Like a week ago, this was a week ago, and I saw like one Breaking Bad suggested video. And then I pulled it up again yesterday to go comment some things back. And then all the recommendations were Breaking Bad clips. <laughs> Sorry, so, man. You know, on my own personal channel, it was all Game of Thrones stuff. It just kept popping up, so I kept watching it. And for whatever reason, it recommended me one clip. That algorithm found me. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And so I apologize. I, I Google, I, I searched a Kyle Shanahan offensive thing today to try to get us back on track there we go all in good fun i uh the algorithms algorithms on social media are crazy i've been watching uh lucifer uh, on netflix mm. and now like all of my instagram explore pages all like lucifer picks and i like i, I like the show <laughs> but i'm not like crazy into it so i'm just like get these right. ads out of here um <laughs> but yeah so we'll we're gonna have a fun show today uh we're gonna talk about some of the latest training camp news we're going to talk about the NFL Top 100, which, of course, had three Chargers make the list, like right as we logged off the stream uh, on Sunday. And then uh, we're also going to talk about the uh, Chargers and 49ers game. So let's start with some uh, of the latest news out of training camp. 
Um, and first and foremost, I think we got to start with the big one, which is Justin Jackson's health. Uh, unfortunately, the former Northwestern standout is hurt again. He's dealing with a groin injury. He is not expected to play this week, which means he's also missing the joint practices. Uh, and Brandon Staley said that they're hopeful that he comes back for the end of the preseason, uh, but it does not really seem likely. Uh, so, Alex, we'll start with you. What do you make of Justin Jackson being hurt again? And do you think he is on the roster bubble at this point? No, uh, I don't think he's on the roster bubble at this point. I, I suppose, you know, if Kelly and Roundtree put more heat on him, um, specifically this week against the Niners, then maybe that becomes a possibility. But to me, I think the way that they look at it is that Jackson is still head above him anyway. And I understand the, you know, the best availability is, uh, or the best ability is availability kind of, you know, mantra, uh, considering the Chargers injuries the last few years. But like, I still don't feel comfortable with the idea of cutting Jackson, despite Roundtree having a good game last week, despite, you know, Kelly you know, sort of improving in sort of these short yardage situations. Uh, I think you've seen some movement there, but not enough for either of those guys to be RB2 yet. As it pertains to the question that's on our screen right now, is Justin Jackson on the roster bubble? No, I don't think so. At the end of the day, he is still there outside of Eckler, their primary receiving back. And look, Josh Kelly did a lot of good things at the scrimmage to improve and showed that he could be sort of a receiving back. But that's a lot of stuff out of the backfield. You know, your screen pass, a swing pass or whatever. Justin Jackson lines up in the slot. He runs the wheel route. He ran the angle route in the preseason game. And the other guys just aren't doing that. So I don't think he's in any danger. But, you know, considering this, it is so unfortunate. Like, you just want to root for this guy. The talent is there, not as a primary back, but as a really solid RB2, you know, or at least a pass catching back. The talent is there, but he just he just can't stay healthy. It's so frustrating because... That's all he had to do to secure this RB2 spot. No problem. They handed it to him. He even tested positive for COVID, and they still handed it to him when he came back. And they'll probably still hand him the RB2 job when he comes back, but now you can't rely on him. So the biggest question to me is, do you keep four running backs now? Which, you know, you guys have said, yeah, they're probably going to keep four running backs. And I've said, no, they're only going to keep three. But considering Austin Eckler doesn't really have a great health track record, even though he's pretty solid, then Justin Jackson is obviously a a complete liability as, as a health risk you probably got to keep four at this point, unless you absolutely think that Joshua Kelly or Larry Roundtree are no good. But I think, I think you still have to keep four guys at this point, which I think is a giant waste, but I need to see more pass catching stuff from Roundtree and from, from Kelly before I say that Jackson should be cut because those two guys just don't have that yet. Yeah. It really sucks that he's hurt again um, because when he's been on the field, he's so efficient. And, you know, whether that was the Denver game last year or the Pittsburgh game in 2018, like we've seen these flashes of greatness from Justin Jackson and it sucks. Like a part of me thinks like it's all the carries that he took at Northwestern and just that weekly beating in the Big Ten and it's finally catching up with him. Um, But I don't know what it is, man, whether it's getting on the COVID list and now the groin injury. Zoo just frankly cannot stay healthy. I don't think he's on the roster bubble because like he is clearly the second best running back on the roster, but I think his touches and his role are in danger. If that makes sense. Like I think you've got to keep him on the roster and see how healthy he can be and how effective he can be. Um, But I I think 
for him to be on the roster bubble, Joshua Kelly would have to really take a big step forward as a pass catcher. And he's definitely improved. Uh, you know, we heard from Daniel Popper that he has taken big steps as a pass protector, which is is great for him and great for special teams. Had a great hit on Kenneth Murray, who, who came on a blitz yesterday in practice, um, according to everybody. So he is improving. But, like, we would need to see, like, a big leap forward from Joshua Kelly for me to be like, okay, I'm ready to move on from Justin Jackson. And at that point, he would just not be worth the risk. But right now, as it stands, like, he's still the second best or at least second most talented, I guess we should say, running back on the roster. And I would also just say that when it comes to Joshua Kelly, like, we thought for a brief moment that we saw that last year. Like, right right after that Bengals game, we were like, all right, here he comes for RB2. And then that fell apart. So that's yeah. why, you know, a lot of people maybe in the YouTube comments or the reaction will be like, oh, you guys like Justin Jackson too much or he's injured. It's like, well, it's it's not that we really want to keep Justin Jackson there. It's that nobody's pushed him. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, someone could have pushed him last year, you know, being Joshua Kelly or Larry Roundtree or Joshua Kelly this preseason. Um, so that's kind of the reality is that it's his job until someone pushes him out of it combined with his health. So. Uh, that's just the reality, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm curious how long they're going to keep him out for because everything they've done with these injured players is be extra cautious. Make sure you can get right. there to week one. They held out. Well, I don't know if this is intentional, but Mark Webb was out for a pretty good long while. But as soon as he comes, as he comes back, he's healthy and making interceptions. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. Obviously, they're going to skip Justin Jackson this week. If they skip him, you know, they don't put him in the game next week too. I don't know how to feel about that because they are being so cautious. And, Jackson has nothing really left to prove at this point. He just needs to make it to week one and play during the season. Like he is their RB2 when healthy and they know that and they know what his role is. I don't think there's more really to learn from him or for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if they shut him down the whole way. And while that may look like a health concern and it is a health concern, it's not maybe as significant as it might seem if like Anthony Lynn held him out for three weeks. Cause then we know it's like, Oh, it could be bad. It could be even worse. Whereas for this coaching staff, I think it's just more precautionary. So I'd be curious to see how long they hold him out for. Yeah, and that's the other thing we can talk about too. Is like we've seen a lot of NFL coaches, uh, specifically Anthony Lynn, like kind of lie to us about injuries. Um, for the most part, um, you know Matt Nagy or not not Matt Nagy, Jim Nagy, no Matt Nagy in Chicago. Yes. Uh, he's he's catching some fire for you know what he's been saying about Tevin Jenkins and that injury and all the other injuries in Chicago. So. Um, it doesn't seem like this current coaching staff has lied to us at this point about any injuries. For the most part, it's been, hey, mm-hmm. we're just being safe, we're being precautious, we're managing his workload or whatever. So um, right now, it seems like they are preparing to have him, uh, Justin Jackson, that is, for the regular season. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement that Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree would have to you know, make some significant leap forward in the next couple of weeks for us to move on from Justin Jackson. The other big injury that we have to talk about, unfortunately, is Mike Williams, uh, who is being held out with a hip flexor, another player who simply just does not seem to ever be fully healthy, um, which he hasn't missed a ton of games like Justin Jackson has, but uh, it seems like Mike Williams is always dealing with some kind of smaller injury. Uh, He is not going to play this week either. Um, Brandon Staley, to my knowledge, didn't really give a timetable for the hip flexor. Um, but he's another player that they are going to be very careful with uh, for the next couple of weeks. 
you know, I, I feel bad. I think I saw that the update was that he got hurt cutting and running, which we've dogged on him all <laughs> off season four. And of course, that's what he gets hurt doing. Um, yeah, another unfortunate one, of course. Like it's it's sad, but of course, Mike Williams and Justin Jackson are not playing right now because they're hurt. I, I don't again. I hold them out till week one during the scrimmage. Right. Herbert and Williams had a great connection, so yeah. I'm not too worried about it. He again, Williams is what he is. He's going to be asked to do what he's done the last three years. So, you know, again, hold him out. Yeah, I mean, just from the beginning of this anyway, I don't get what the point of playing Mike Williams in the preseason would be anyway if you're holding out Keenan Allen and all these guys that are pretty much making big money anyway. (laughs) Like, so, you know, you're not – it's not a Justin Jackson situation where it's like, oh, well, if we don't like what this guy is showing us combined with his health, we can cut him. You're not cutting him because you're paying him $15 million. So – that that's just sort of how I view it is you have this, you know, high profile um, kind of investment. So I don't really get what the point of thinking he would play in the preseason a little bit was anyway, because he doesn't really have much to prove uh, to be the uh, wide receiver two for at least this year. Obviously you have people like Joshua Palmer and Tyron Johnson who maybe can make a move for that next year, but Mike Williams spot and, you know, his role on this team was always pretty uh, well-defined. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I hope that he's able to get healthy, and I think he will be. I mean, like, we didn't think that he was going to play in Cincinnati last year because of his shoulder injury, and then the day of, well, be, you know, there's Mike Williams playing and active, and I think he had, like, 10 targets that first week, too. So, um, you know, we are, you know, have been very critical of Mike Williams, but I do always appreciate how he's willing to tough it out and play through injuries. Um, I, I kind of look at this as a blessing, though, in terms of, you know, player evaluation, because now you're getting more reps with the first team offense for Josh Palmer and for Jason Moore, who's been stepping up, you know, everybody's kind of elevated a spot. So you're, you're getting better looks out of these other players who are on the roster bubble, at least for, you know, Jason Moore, KJ Hill. And you're also seeing, you know, the, the relationship between Justin Herbert and Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson and Josh Palmer grow a little bit more. And so, of course, I would love to see Williams out there and healthy, but at the same time, like you're getting, you know, more work out of players at the end of the rotation who are, you know, getting the opportunity to prove what they have as well. I will say during the scrimmage, I believe Herbert started close to like 15 of 16 or 16 of 17. Then Williams goes down and they start running two minute drills and red zone offense. And it was like incomplete pass, incomplete pass, interception to Eckler and stuff like that. So, I I do kind of worry about that relationship when he goes down. I don't think Herbert needs Williams, but there was something clearly off when he went out. Yeah, that is interesting. And then uh, the other injury that is is pretty noticeable notable as well is cornerback slash special teams ace Ryan Smith. Um, he still is dealing with the core injury. It doesn't seem like he's going to be ready anytime soon. Uh, Brandon Staley even hinted at him potentially not being ready to start the season. Um, so that puts them in kind of a bind. Like, do you put him on IR at this point, which would give them some roster flexibility? Do you cut him? You know, of course, that kind of depends on who steps up. But, you know, you've got a guy like John Brannon, who, you know, Ronaldo Hill spoke very glowingly about yesterday, had another interception yesterday in practice. Like, literally, all the dude does is get interceptions. And if Ryan Smith makes the roster, I don't know how John Brennan does. Like it's a it's a bit of a tough bind. You know, you had Keeman Hall put, make some plays on on Saturday as well. So, 
the punt coverage is awful at this point. So you kind of need Ryan Smith, but at the same time, it's like, you know, his health is, is puts them in a, a real tough bind right now. I believe the thing with the new IR is that they can come back after three weeks, right? They're still yeah. keeping that COVID IR. So like, yeah, if you do put him on IR and he can come back. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, I would be worried about what the punt coverage situation would be in those first three weeks based off of what we saw on Saturday, which was yeah. uh, just a complete abortion of punt coverage. Uh, so that wasn't fun to watch. But I do think you ultimately have to keep him. And this goes back to like, I kind of disagree with the fact that Anthony Lynn lied about injuries. I mean, there's just some injuries that players and training staffs try to you know, gut out and a core muscle injury might be one of them where you have Ryan Smith who's like, yeah, I can get back on the field. I can get back on the field until he may not be able to. Right. And then that comes potentially IR, potentially something like that. Right. So that's just kind of how football works. It's not like basketball where it's like, Hey, you can play or you can't like guys just try to gut it out through everything. So um, I feel like that kind of is the Ryan Smith situation at this point. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever, you know, need surgery for this core muscle injury, but that tends to be how these things go, where they just kind of try to, you know, feel it out first before uh, there really is any kind of clarification. So uh, I think it is a dodgy situation, but I do think you ultimately have to keep him, whether that means keeping him on the roster week one and he's ready to play or stashing him on the IR for three weeks. I'm 100% putting him on IR. If this is a lingering injury, of course, and he's not going to play anytime soon. I'm putting him on IR, and I'm keeping Hall, and I'm keeping Brennan. I'm keeping all the DBs, at least those two guys. And you can make a case for Vaughn, too, but they won't be able to carry that many corners. But considering, you know, Faison's kind of been iffy. Smith is gone. Technically, Webb is being hurt. Even He was hurt, even though he's not a corner. You know, I would love to have Hall as that slot corner and Brennan as that outside corner. Just some extra guys. And, you know, if you like them, and they play really well during the regular season, during those three weeks, you use them. And if Smith doesn't, you know, if he gets cut or I don't know how that works, but is is short and relatively cheap deal, but I'm keeping those other two guys because I, I can't pick right now, which one I would cut the slot corner who was a great blitzer tackler who had a special teams, you know, forced fumble and was great in coverage or the outside boundary corner, which the chargers need, who was also amazing in coverage and that interception. Yeah. Who do you cut? You can't. So I, you I have, I would put Smith on IR let those two corners stay on the roster and duke it out in the regular season. Yeah, they, they obviously don't have to do that like right now. They can sure. wait until, you know, I think, until like after the Seattle game to do that. And then, you know, you, you've obviously got to wait the three weeks uh, minimum. But I, I agree, man. We didn't really, we didn't talk a whole lot about John Brandon on Sunday. Um, that interception after watching it, like that is some high level football awareness, football IQ, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, he caught it with one hand. I didn't love the return attempt uh, running out of bounds into the quarterback, but getting the ball that way, like it was really impressive stuff. And even if, you know, you've always got to throw in like the, well, it was against backups, but you can't fake instincts like that. And you can't fake being a ball hawk like that. And so, you know, um, Ronaldo Hill said like, it's hard to, you know, when you're in a roster battle, it's hard to really compete with someone like Brandon, who's getting interceptions like every other day and you're just, you know, solid in coverage. Like, you know, Brandon, I feel like has really separated himself. Um, you know, we haven't really heard much from Brandon face on in a while. So maybe that becomes a thing, you know, Brandon versus face on, but I, I can't, I'm not leaving John Brandon off this roster. John Brandon is making the roster for me at this point. 
And, you know, you, you saw in that little clip after the game, how highly this team thinks of him, you know, when they let John Brandon, you know, have like the game ball moment. And so like John Brandon for me is making the roster right now. I don't know if he's going to make the roster. I think that's kind of a wait and see. I'm not going to overreact too much after one game. Um, but I it's not say... just the game. It's the, the right. two weeks of practices. He's got like five interceptions in practice at this point. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. But again, it's also two weeks of practice right? <laughs> compared to what we thought of, you know, the three months prior to it. So like, you know, um, I think he's definitely making a case to make the roster for sure. And that becomes an argument with Faison or Ryan Smith. The other option is you could also just put, you know, uh, potentially one of those guys on the practice squad and put the protection on them because you can protect four players on the practice squad each week. Um, yeah, so that's true. a possibility as well. While Ryan Smith might be either on IR or you can keep him on the active roster. So if he doesn't play week one, he can come back week two. So there's a lot of ways that they can formulate it. Um, I do kind of think John Brandon would make the roster as of now, but you know, uh, like Arjun kind of said on the show, you know, we're, you know, two weeks away from, you know, John Brandon having two bad games, right? Like that's just how True. kind of fickle these preseason performances can be, especially as the level of competition and the guys you're playing against are kind of different every week because all of these teams have different philosophies, right? The Rams are a very, you know, we're not going to play anybody kind of preseason team uh, and much like the Chargers this year. Um, you know, we'll see what the Niners decide to do this week and we'll see what the Seahawks yeah. do uh, in week three. But, you know, those are all kind of different situations. So, you know, I'm not I'm not hating on Brandon. I, I do think he showed some oh, skills right. in week yeah. one. But it's just like, you know, when you do have a kind of special teams pro like Ryan Smith, I do think you have to seriously consider that. Although, as you know, uh, the fans will go, well, health. And that's what we talked about with Justin Jackson. And that seems to be the theme of the show today. Uh, but, you know, I do think you have to seriously consider the special teams after, especially last week. So jog my memory for me. What are the practice squad protection rules? Do they have a certain number of times they can protect that one player? I'm not sure exactly. I think that it's I think it's just... each week you get four protected. Yeah, four protected, okay. but I don't think you can only use it once on a player or something. Yeah. I think you can use it as many times as you want. It's just that you would be leaving the other... 12 players out uh, in terms of a team being able to pick them up. Okay. Cause I originally, I thought you should keep him on the roster because you don't want someone to steal from the practice squad. But if you can protect him for 17 weeks, then, you know, just do that, I guess. But I, I still think he makes the roster at this point. I think it's so important to have those instincts. We saw it with the Rams when that, I forget who that corner was that picked off whoever it was for that pick six. But listen, the chargers beat the jets by six points last season. They didn't, they might not have won if Tavon Campbell did not pick off that pass for a pick six and just yeah. having that kind of play and maybe some special teams contributions. I just, you, I think he makes the active roster still. Yeah. So definitely something to keep an eye on. We'll see. I, I'm really excited to, to see how this secondary does in particular this week against the Niners and joint practices. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun because there, there definitely is a lot of overlap in terms of, you know, the scheme that the, Niners are running and then the scheme that the Chargers are running. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Other little notes, Donald Parham did leave practice uh, yesterday with a back injury. We have not gotten an update. Apparently he was walking around fine after practice, but um, you know, based off of everything else that this team has been doing, it, it seems probable that they hold the Parham out for a couple days, unless it was just 
you know, uh, got the wind knocked out of him thing. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Um, Trey Pipkins has not been practicing the last couple of days. I know some people are already crowning Brendan Hymas the next left tackle uh, or backup left tackle, which is, is definitely possible. Rashawn Slater did not practice either the last couple of days, um, but Brandon Sadie said that he should be fine and back up practice uh, tomorrow uh, for the Niners stuff. So I'm very high on Brendan Hymas, and I love that he's able to get this work uh, at left tackle and, and kind of be that Swiss Army knife. You know, one of the reasons that I, I wanted them to draft someone like Elijah Vera Tucker was because I just wanted a gamer. Like I wanted someone that could mm. come in and play multiple positions and, and not, you know, have any kind of uh, drop off. So Brennan Hymas has, has been getting a lot of love the last couple of days. Uh, Joe Lombardi said that his arrow is definitely pointing up, which shout out to all of you that responded to my tweet, uh, <laughs> you know, being real mature about it. <laughs> um but is that me yeah it definitely was you and it definitely was a few (laughs) other people but um it's obviously great news that you know brendan hymas is being as advertised and and being able to play left guard right guard left tackle right tackle and the chargers have needed someone like that uh and it's great that they're getting that out of a rookie already i don't remember the last time the chargers had a swing lineman who could literally just play whatever they need him to and look again if you're trying to think of keeping brandon somehow or Hall somehow, cut one of those backup tackles and keep Hymas. If he shows out and he looks good at left tackle, why not? I mean, Questenberry, yeah, I know he's your backup center. And, of course, if Lindsley goes down, you have to put Questenberry at center. But he can kind of back up the interior. If you got Norton, let's say, and Hymas is your other tackle too, slash guard, I feel good about that. And I'd rather keep Brandon on the roster than Pipkins right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not going to cut Pipkins because they're too stubborn to do it, but um, right. that, that, that's it's, just a, it's a legacy thing for Telesco. reality. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if it's a legacy thing, but Telesco is going to be like, well, you know, by the end of it, you know, he's not going to resign Pipkins, but it'll be like, well, I got four years out of him. So <laughs> at the end of the day, right. you can't say I was wrong. Um, but you know, yes, we can. I, I just don't. But yeah, <laughs> I course, will. Of course we can. <laughs> um, but you know, so it, it's just tough to kind of watch Pipkins at this point. Like clearly, yeah. when the team is moving in another direction, to whether it's um, obviously Rashawn Slater, who they drafted, uh, and obviously Brian Balaga is here. Plus, you know, you could have Hymas maybe you know sub in for him next season, or you can sign some other kind of right tackle. Like it's just very clear at this point that he's not the future. So. What's the point of keeping him as a depth reason when he's not good at being depth against depth guys in the preseason? Um, so, you know, uh, I would prefer Pipkins get cut over Norton, but I just don't have any confidence in Tom Telesco at that point to make that decision. Well, the the thing really like about the backup swing tackle is I, I feel like you've got to keep Pipkins and Norton and hope that Brian Balaga is able to play long enough into this season that Pipkins and Norton can keep developing. Like I I don't feel like either of them have really separated themselves. Like I think Norton makes fewer mistakes, but there are like little bits and pieces of where Pipkins plays really, really well. It's just that they're so far and few between the moments of bad that it makes it hard to watch. So from a player development standpoint, like, yes, I would love for the swing tackle to be a little bit more established and be more of a sure thing. But I don't think either of them have really like separated themselves. I think you've got to keep both. 
you know, you don't have to keep both on the active roster, but in terms of the final 53, I think you've got to keep both and let them continue to duke it out. And then if Ryan Blaga misses games, then you, you kind of pick whoever you feel more comfortable that day. Maybe you kick uh, Matt Filer out to right tackle, but it, it like, I just, <laughs> it, it sucks because you want one of these players to really be that guy and neither of them have really shown it. I would say that neither of them have shown it. My thing with Norton is I will say he played about a handful of games last year better than Pipkins ever has, you know? So I do think that counts for Mm. something. He played okay football in the regular season uh, when he was filling in for guys. Um, So that would just kind of be my reaction. I don't think he separated himself. I said in my breakdown, you know, quite frankly, they were both terrible and no one really won. (laughs) The only difference is that, you know we're just kind of talking about Trey Pipkins is that we still, you know, this third round pick and we're talking about uh, Norton as a guy who signed from the XFL. Right. So somebody who is lower risk. So to me, I think that at this point I would just prefer Norton be that, you know, swing tackle. If, you know, Hyman's isn't going to be that, you know, swing lineman in general. Um, But I, I, I kind of bet more on Norton to develop at this point. Bless your heart, Stephen, for finding the good things in linemen back in your guys. <laughs> you know, but I I get what you're saying though about keeping them on the roster and just letting them try anything to develop. Because yeah, you're right, Balaga could go down. And so you just have those two options ready, and whoever's ready goes, and then and the other one gets water. I don't know, but okay, I, I get what you're saying, Stephen. So you know what? I will I will stick with the two guys on the roster. Yeah, and I don't know. Like uh, to me, I'd rather see what I have in Pipkins throughout the season than keep someone like Tyree St. Louis, who was really bad on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me. Um, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on there. Um, I don't think I I'll missed anyone else. Two... I was just gonna say I'll stick with the two tackles on the roster, but I'm gonna complain about it the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the good news is that if, if Ryan Bulaga plays healthy, then, you know, they don't really have that big of a problem, which is definitely a big if. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how that one pans out. I don't think I missed anyone that's injured right now. Um, but don't think so. Don't think so. Okay, so let's talk about the NFL Top 100. Uh, of course, like I said, Corey Lindsley, Justin Herbert, and Keenan Allen all made the list uh, from Sunday which Alex and I were talking, it was kind of weird that they did like basically 50 uh, selections on the first night. It feels like last year they kind of separated it out. Um, But otherwise, you know, uh, Corey Lindsley, Herbert, and Keenan Allen make the list. Uh, I think the only one that I feel okay with is Justin Herbert. I know people are going to say like, he's better than that. But that list is, is traditionally a little more stingy on rookie players. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be upset about the Justin Jefferson thing as well. Um, but a, a rookie quarterback making the list at 55 or whatever it was, like, I feel okay about that. Uh, I ranted about Corey Lindsley not making the ESPN <laughs> top 10, so I, I'm not going to repeat myself. Um, but this list in general is just atrocious when it comes to offensive linemen. Like, uh, so far, the worst thing that I've seen is Zach Martin at 85 um, that, like, uh, it's so frustrating because not even the players know how to value offensive line at this point because Zach Martin was arguably a top five right tackle last year. 
uh, and he plays guard full time. So <laughs> Zach Martin is unequivocally a top 25 player in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, so definitely a little upset at the way that they've been treating offensive linemen. Of course, I'm biased, but uh, that's what I'll say about that. You know, the offensive lineman rankings were so bad. It's it sent Olang guru Brandon Thorne into like a spiral <laughs> where he's now going to rank 75 linemen. Yeah. Some study on all of them. He's like, this sucks. I'm going to do my own. Yeah. Uh, so, man, it must have been that bad. Like, and listen, I don't I don't keep track of every lineman in the NFL. But, you know, for, for those guys who know something about offensive linemen to come out and be like, what what is this list? Yeah. Um, yeah, tough for sure. I'm happy to see Justin Herbert on it. Arjun's been really quiet lately. Uh, I haven't had him to say anything about uh, our little wager where only I was going to give him money, but Herbert did not make 20 to 40, but it's nice to see him where he is. Yeah. Keenan Allen making it kind of in those 50s. I know people are frustrated like, oh, Jefferson is better, but it's kind of about that year sort of kind of, and Jefferson technically statistically had a better year, even though Allen is a better receiver and has the longer career and should be ranked above Jefferson. You know, I kind of get it. And Allen didn't finish the season either. Um, so me personally, I would go Herbert, like of these, of this trio, Herbert would be last. And then I'd probably go Allen and then Lindsley. I just think your first team all pro Lindsley should be higher. Um, but again, we've talked about the Lindsley thing quite a bit, so I'll not talk about that, but it is absolutely karma for the chargers social media account. I knew as soon as they posted that Herbert over Jefferson thing or whatever, in the <laughs> whatever it was, as yeah. soon as they did, that, I'm like, you, you're so going to regret that. Yeah. And now everyone's like, oh, well, Madden knows more than the players. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what they get. They they set themselves up for that. But, oh, yeah. yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting list. Uh, I, I think in terms of the NFL Top 100, it's always kind of tried to be a balance between like, hey, these are actually the Top 100 guys in the NFL. And these were the Top 100 guys this year. Um, although mm-hmm. I think in, in I think in the last couple of years in particular, it's kind of been like a this year kind of list, um, yeah. which I get. But it's also just kind of like, well, you guys had Carson Wentz at like three two years ago, and now he's not even in the top one hundred. <laughs> so That's it's right. like That's right. I, I don't I don't feel like the list totally has been just like, oh well, you know, we were really feeling this guy this year, and now he's just dead. Um, you know, there was a, a decline, but also maybe he was actually never quite that high. Uh, so, you know, as, as far as the list is concerned, I think Herbert is about where he should be. Um, I didn't yeah. think he would get into the top 20 or 40. I, I thought, you know, at 50, 60s was bright for him. Uh, Keenan Allen making it where he is, I think, was impressive. Um, and I don't know. The thing that bugs me about the Keenan Allen thing is, like, also, A.J. Brown was behind, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson as well, which is like, yes, yeah. I do believe Justin Jefferson had the better individual year. So if we are just technically bare bones talking about, hey, these were the 100 best players of 2021, I think that's fine. But like, you know, it's kind of like the ESPN rankings thing. Like, I would not put Justin Jefferson yet above those guys um, as much as it, you know, does kind of tend to benefit rookie players a little bit. Um, but I totally expected Jefferson to be up there above Herbert just based on how I thought the players would vote. Uh, so that's not surprising. Corey Lindsley is, it, what was he, number 60? Exactly. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he's number 60. I mean, that didn't surprise me because, you know, this list doesn't like O-linemen. Um, you know, I can't lie. I'm more of a receiver person anyway, so I can't really be outraged in the same way that Steven is, but 
Uh, I think Corey Lindsley just being in, you know, that kind of top, you know, close to the top 50 range is is still good for him, despite it being a little bit low. Um, So I guess the question is how many chargers are, you know, left on this list. And so I'm sure we're going to get Joey Bosa at some point in that top 40. So that's probably going to be the last one, um, you know, Mm -hmm. of these guys. So that'll be interesting to see where he is. Uh, I don't know exactly. I would bet somewhere between 40 and 30, um, maybe a little bit higher, but just thinking because he had some injuries this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's overall, I, I'm happy with the amount of chargers that are in the list. There was nobody that I felt, hey, this guy was snubbed. Um, that's also just because so many chargers were hurt last year. Like Austin Eckler is a guy who probably could have made yeah. the top 100 list if he stayed healthy. Derwood James is obviously someone who has the potential to be in the top 100 list every year if he's healthy. Right, but they didn't, unfortunately. So uh, I think the guys who got in got in. So they'll have four top 100 representatives by the time it's all said and done. Um, could debate their rankings, and I don't love how they do the list. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think it was fair. Yeah, just the, the last thing I'll say about the offensive line, like I, I think most people that pay attention to it like probably have Zach Martin as like a top three or four interior offensive lineman. And most of them would have Trent Williams as a top two or three left Mm -hmm. tackle. And neither of those were within the top 50. Like, it's just, it's so like, I understand that, you know, you look at the stats and like these, all these receivers and the quarterbacks, but you're going to sit here and tell me that the second, you know, arguably a top two or three interior offensive lineman is the 85th best player in the NFL and a top one or two left tackle is like number 53 or whatever. So like, I I get it. Like the receivers and the quarterbacks are definitely flashier, but I would just hope that like the players who sit there and are in meetings and all this stuff, like would place a little more value on the offensive line, but I I get it. It, It's just, (laughs) it's just a little frustrating. I do think it's funny that you mentioned Brandon Thorne uh, doing his top 75 offensive lineman list because it reminds me of when Chris Sims uh, dissed Blake Bortles a couple of years ago and he did a top 70 quarterbacks better than Blake Bortles <laughs> list where he read one of them a day on the Dan Levitard show. So I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, so right. yeah, these, these lists, these lists are just stupid. <laughs> A rare W for Chris Sims, for sure. Um, in terms of Joey Bosa, I think he, could maybe sneak into the twenties. I think he's got enough respect around the league at this point for, you know, his ability oh. as a technical, you know, pass rusher that he could maybe sneak into the twenties. Um, if he were higher, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, he's another Brandon Thorne guy. I think Thorne has consistently said that he's uh, at least the second best pass rusher in the league. So um, if he gets higher, great. I'll be very happy. But I, I would say low thirties, high twenties for Joey Bosa. Which rookie has the best chance of making it next year? Which oh, Slater. Slater, for sure. But oh, they don't like talking... offensive linemen on this list. That's true. Are we just talking about, char- <laughs> are we just talk- are we just talking about Chargers rookies? Uh, Sure, but you could go for it. Okay. Whatever you want, Alex. Yeah. Um. No, I, I think it is Slater. I mean, out of, out of this kind of group, just, you know, based on the trajectory that he's on. Um, and also, like, Samuel could be there, but I do think he'll have some growing pains. And I don't mm-hmm. think once you get to like yeah. Josh Palmer and those guys, Josh Palmer is probably not going to have big enough of a role to be, right. you know, uh, that, you know, other be higher than wide receiver three, uh, at least at this point. So uh, that kind of 
eliminates you from the top 100 list unless you're you know on like some kind of super team uh so you know uh other than slater i don't see many of them having a real chance but like steven said it's it's going to be interesting to see because the list traditionally doesn't love rookies but they also showed a lot of love to justin jefferson and justin herbert so who knows yeah i think chase young was in the 50s too so i mean if i saw the samuel jr like we, I saw that clip of of Eric Eager saying that you know his like favorite bet for defensive rookie of the year was Asante. Like if Asante Samuel Jr. is the defensive rookie of the year, like then he'll make it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I like I understand like the value of that specific bet, um, but I think Asante is is going to have a very good year. I don't know if he is going to have a rookie of the year kind of season. Um, he certainly could, but you know I think for all intents and purposes, like we know that Rashawn Slater is going to start. We know that he's going to have a big role. Even if Asante Samuel Jr. is like your third corner, like he's not technically going to be on the field for 100% of the snaps. So um, the odds are definitely in Slater's favor there. But again, this list hates offensive linemen. So I don't know. (laughs) I I feel like it's just, I was just going to say, I feel like it's just very hard for quarterbacks to win rookie of the year like i don't i think it's only yeah. happened like two times in the last three years or something um but yeah with asante samuel i feel like he would just have to have like a very casey He'd hayward a huge, kind of yeah. season where or casey hayward season from a couple of years ago where he just led the league in interceptions right because that's the stat that everybody will pay attention to regardless of how good your coverage grade is and all that like that's why all these you know edge players and guys on the line tend to get all these defensive rookie of the year awards. I mean, most of the time. Uh, So, you know, I think it'll just be really hard. Plus I do, I I do think Samuel will have moments where it's just like, okay, he's getting a little bit picked on in this game. Like, I don't think he's going to totally outrun that in his rookie year, which is something that I think he would need to do if he really was going to win defensive rookie of the year. But I still do think he'll obviously have a very good year. So Wirfs was a first team all pro on a Super Bowl winning team and he was 89th. So I don't so know. That, I don't know that's the ceiling for Slater. That's pretty tough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um man. Wirfs was was so good though. Um, but that's tough. That, that is definitely tough. Um, I like I guess in a world where like if Mike Williams like misses a ton of time, then like maybe Josh Palmer could put up put up enough numbers, but like that's really the only thing. Like if someone, other than someone getting injured, that's in front of him. Like I don't think Palmer would put up enough numbers. Um, no. But yeah, I saw something like before the the list came out that the Chargers were going to have five Chargers, and then like I was like, oh, maybe like Derwin sneaks in there like at like ninety seven or something, but um, obviously not. So, um, all right. Any other thoughts on the top one hundred before we get to uh, the uh, Chargers Forty Nine ers preview? All right, so uh, before we get to the preview for this weekend's game against the 49ers, we do have an interview with uh, a Raiders podcaster, Kenny King, who is a part of the Blue Hour Podcast Network as well and covers the Raiders for Just Blog Baby. So I had a good conversation with him about the Raiders and talked about Gus Bradley and uh, Max Crosby and everything, you know, related to the Las Vegas Raiders. So as always, the video version is going to be in a separate video, and the audio version is going to happen right now. Hey guys, welcome back to the Goodiest Charge podcast. Very happy to be joined by a special guest, a fellow Blue Wire podcast 
podcaster, if you will, Kenny King, who covers the Raiders for Just Blog Baby, as well as the co-host for the Raider Cody podcast. Kenny, thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Steven. It's uh, feeling good, man. Feeling good. I had a good day at practice, uh, you know, going through the Twitter feed and excited about this season. Are you, uh, have you been able to go to any of the Raiders practices? I haven't yet. So I'm, I'm still in California. Um, so oh, okay. I plan on going out to a few practices once season starts uh, and I get some time out there. Uh, but I also plan on being at a lot of the games. So that's the beauty of, you know, being an hour flight away. Um, yeah. so it's not too much traveling. And then we also have uh, the Niner game in, in a couple of weeks on here. So we'll get to see him out in California. There you go. I assume you'll be at the Monday night football game then. Oh, I, I, I've been, I've had this thing circled since the schedule came out, man. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about it. Yeah. That's going to be an awesome game for sure. Um, so we're here to talk about the Raiders and we're here to talk about the biggest storylines. And I think it's only fair that we talk about the, uh, chargers stealing, if you will, that has gone on for the Raiders this year, of course, with Gus Bradley and Casey Hayward. Uh, so what's the latest with Bradley? What are you, what are you hearing about his new defense and, and just kind of your general grasp of the Raiders' defensive makeover overall. Look, I mean, Bradley's a breath of fresh air for Raider Nation. We had Paul Gunther for the past couple of years. He just kind of ran that defense into the ground. He's a very smart coach. He's just not a guy that can put it all together on the field and, and lead those guys. Bradley's the kind of guy, and you guys know this as Charger fans, Bradley's the kind of guy that's going to rally around the team. The team's going to rally around him. He's going to get guys excited. And that's what we're seeing from this defense is guys are flying around. They're getting after it. Um, they're in a more of a base defense, but we already saw in the preseason game, he's getting after it a lot more than Paul Gunther ever did uh, with Nate Hobbs having a quarterback blitz. We're seeing, you know, more stunts on the front and the defense. So it's exciting to see because it seems that we finally have a defensive coordinator. The Raiders uh, had a joint practice with the Rams today. And from the reports that I saw from Tashawn Reed from The Athletic is the Raiders defense was getting after it as well. So I think they had three picks on Matthew Stafford. Um, obviously, it's practice, but it was the first team against the first team. So it's things to get excited about. Yeah, and I, I think if you talk to other Chargers fans, you know, you'll hear the same kind of thing. Players love him. Fans, not so much. It, it was definitely yeah. a, a relationship that soured over time. Um, but the one thing we always know about Gus Bradley is he is a player's coach. Everybody who plays for him loves him, except for Jalen Ramsey, weirdly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's going to be good for the Raiders, um, you know, like you mentioned with Paul Gunther. And I, I think the secondary is kind of the biggest question mark that I have from the outside. Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about the Raiders secondary? Obviously, we know Casey Hayward very well, but who else is kind of standing out in that group so far? The guy that's standing out right now is Trayvon Merrick, uh, the rookie safety out of TCU. He's a guy that, you know, actually I had mocked going first. He was a guy that I really wanted to get. So when we yeah. got him in the second round, I was really excited about it. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Casey Hayward has kind of come in and been that veteran leader in the secondary. The Raiders still have a really young secondary, and there's a lot of question marks around it. You've got Jonathan Abram, who's in year three. Um, realistically, it's year two for him. He didn't play his first year after getting injured in the Denver game. Um, so the question marks around him, can he play? Uh, and putting him in the box is, is, seems to be a better fit for him. Uh, you don't want to have him as a single high safety. He's just not that guy. Um, Trayvon Mullen is another guy who we would like to see make leaps in his third year. He had a really good first year. His second year, he had a bit of a sophomore slump. Um, so hopefully he can bounce back this third year. Uh, I think the biggest question mark in this defense is Damon Arnett. Second year player, was a first round pick last year. 
Um, he's gotten moved to the second team already. You know, you've got Casey Hayward in front of you, so you're not going to start there. But I think the, the biggest question is, you know, is he a guy that can buy into the system, that can be smart and can make smart plays? Um, you know, he made a couple made a couple pass breakups uh, during the game. Uh, he made a couple in practice. But is he a guy that can be consistent? So I have a lot of question marks around the secondary. I hope I know that Ron Miles is a very well respected coach. Um, yeah. He's done a great job with the secondary. I, mean, I saw what he did with you know with the Chargers. Um, and the thing with you guys is you guys had a really good defense even with guys being out. I think right. if I'm correct, you had like 17 guys that were on the injured reserve list last year. And you still had a pretty good defense, you know, and and that's missing some of your top players. And so, you know, if you can get if you can get somewhat productivity out of this, you know, the Raiders are going they're They're a bottom ranked defense. They were, I think, 29th to 30th. Um, and so if you can even get a middle of the pack defense, that's what we're looking for. That's what you hope, because you have an offense that can put up points. Um, but the secondary is going to be the lifeblood of this. And that's really where the question mark is for me. Yeah, you know, a lot of Chargers fans will tell you that they were hoping that Pep Hamilton would, you know, quarterback's coach would stick on with the new staff. But I was really hoping that Ron Milas would. And yeah. Milas, you know, the, the Chargers never really gave him like a first round pick or a second round pick to kind of like work with. But he deserves a ton of credit for, you know, the emergence of Michael Davis and uh, Trevor Williams before him and, and Jason Barrett before him. So mm-hmm. Ron Milas is definitely, you know, a high end position coach. Uh, I hope some team eventually gives him a shot to be a coordinator. Um, so I think more so than hiring Gus Bradley, I think Ron Miles is going to be a really huge. good addition for the Raiders. Yeah, definitely huge. I think that, you know, Miles working with Bradley, working with these young guys, uh, it's, it's it's exciting. I think the other thing with Bradley is Bradley's had a lot of success with young DBs. We saw what he did in Jacksonville. We saw what he did in Seattle. We saw what he did in, in LA and San Diego. So uh, those are, you know, those are some of the things that, that excite us uh, about Raider fans. But it, as a Raider fan, you always have to be cautiously optimistic. You don't want to get too high and say the Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl because the Raiders will always up. They'll always let you down, uh, you know, but you also don't want to be completely down on them and say, well, the Raiders are going to do anything because then the Raiders surprise you. And so for me, it's always cautiously optimistic. I want them to be good. I want to win the division. I want to beat KC. But at the same time, like, you know, we have to be, you know, things could happen a different way. So, yeah, that's definitely how I approach my fandom with the Chargers as well. Every single year, except for 2018, I was like, this team's going to be amazing. Like, and then, you know, unfortunately got crushed by New England. So uh, let's shift gears and talk about the offense. Um, you know, I think the biggest question mark on that side of the ball is obviously the offensive line, you know, losing Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson. Um, and then of course you draft Alex Leatherwood. So what's the state, what's the current status of the Raiders offensive line? And do you think, um, people might be a little bit surprised at how well this group plays this year. I actually think they will be surprised. And obviously, you know, we haven't played any games. And so when you have a preseason, it's very hard to get a read on guys because you don't have your full starting line in. Um, but there are some veterans on that on that offensive line that can that are really good leaders. You've got Richie Incognito, who I, I know Richie gets a bad rap, but he's actually <laughs> a really good leader and he's well respected on the yeah. team. Um, you've got a guy like you got a guy like Denzel Good who's come back from last year who bounced around on the line. He played guard. He played tackle. Uh, he filled in wherever he was needed. Colton Miller, who's really come into his own, is is a top 15 tackle in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, you have Andre James who's replacing some one of the greatest centers in the league right now, uh, Rodney Hudson. And then you have Alex Leatherwood who's replacing a guy who at one point when he plays – 
can be the best right tackle in the league. Yeah. But Trent Brown didn't play much last year. Uh, Leatherwood is a, he's a different type of player because he's hard nosed and he's going to get after it. And he's going to be a guy that can drive the pile, uh, especially in run blocking. And he fits Tom Cable's zone blocking scheme. I think that was one of the things that, that Gabe Jackson and, and Trent Brown didn't do well. They didn't fit that run blocking scheme. And that's where we saw some of the fall off last year uh, in the run game, you know, later on late in the season, Josh Jacobs didn't have the kind of yardage that he had the, the, the prior year. Um, so I think that that's where they're going to have some success, but at the same time, going to be some growing pains as well. You're going to have Andre James and Derek Carr. They need to get on the same page. They need to get together. They need to make sure that they're doing the right things uh, to call out those lines because Rodney was, he was like another quarterback on the field. He was calling out, He's calling out the defenses. He's telling right. the line what to do, what's coming. He's Derek's eyes and ears out there. Uh, and so Andre James has a lot of maturing to do. And, you know, luckily he's got Richie right next to him to, to help him with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think Richie is going to be huge for him. Um, and I think I'm, I'm excited about Alex Leather. I think a lot of people gave them some slack for, for yeah. the draft, but I liked Leatherwood uh, and I like Trayvon Merrick. So I feel like, you know, a lot of people are saying like if you would have just flipped those picks then a lot of people would have been more happy but ultimately yeah. the players are the players and i think both of them will make strong impacts um for the raiders so you mentioned josh jacobs of course the raiders went out and got Kenyon drake this year as well uh kind of uh, head scratcher that decision to get Kenyon drake but um what can we expect from the raiders running game this year well, I can tell you, so outside looking in, it's a head scratcher, but anybody that knows John Gruden, anybody that knows the Raiders success, the Raiders have always had success with dual running backs. You look at Darren McFadden and Michael Bush, you look at Charlie Garner and, and Tyron Wheatley. Uh, you look at, you know, also with Tyron Wheatley and Napoleon Kaufman, uh, Marcus Allen and Kenny King. Um, so there was always, they always had that two back set where there was two guys that could carry the load. Josh is, he's a guy that in college, he never got a ton of carries. He was a yeah. he was the third back. He didn't get a ton of carries. John Gruden doesn't want to run Josh Jacobs into the ground early. Josh is a special player. He's the first Raider in in Raider history to have back to back thousand yard seasons. Believe it or not, and so wow. that right there is you know that right there is a, a feat in itself. But at the same time, or he's also the first Raider rookie to rush rush for over a thousand yards. Um, but the what Gruden, what Gruden wants to do on this offense is he wants to open it up. He wants to compete with the Kansas City, right, where you don't just have a one-dimensional offense where you throw the ball, you know, short passes, and you, you run the ball. He wants to be able to get the running backs involved in the running game. He wants to be able to do the, the West Coast hybrid offense uh, where you're going to have some short passes. You're going to have some deep throws. You're going to keep the defense on their toes. Kenyon Drake brings that because he brings speed and he brings really good hands to the backfield. Um, you know, you got Josh Jacobs, who's really good as well, but he, he's got hands, um, but he's not a guy that's more that's thought of as a receiving threat. So Josh is kind of that sneaky guy that, you know, can go in there in times and, you know, he'll catch something out of the backfield, but he's going to be more of that power back coming out of the, out of the backfield. And so that's where you kind of see the, the differences there. Um, and then you throw in guys like Alec Ingold. Um, you look at Trey Regis, who had a really good first preseason game. Uh, and then there's the question marks with Jalen or Jalen Richard, who, you know, quite frankly, I don't think he's going to make the team. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one to keep an eye on. And I think uh, Theo Riddick retired, didn't he? Just barely. Yeah. Well, so yeah, Richard and Riddick both went on the COVID list. Riddick retired, and Jalen Richard, you know, then hurt his foot, and so he's out for maybe the season. But the oh, thing wow. with Richard is, so Richard is also a guy who's 
you know, who's been very outspoken against vaccines, not just the COVID vaccine, but vaccines in general. Like he said, he's not getting his kids vaccinated. Uh, he's very outspoken on Twitter about it. Um, and so given kind of the the direction that everything's going, the Raiders, you know, go in their direction with the va- mandatory vaccinations, um, the league, you know, with the forfeiture of games, I could see Jalen Richard being as a, a camp casualty. Yeah, it's it slowly seems that players who are, against the vaccine have have either come around or they're probably trending towards mm-hmm. getting cut because it's just you know teams can't afford it unless you know your name is Kirk Cousins or Lamar Jackson but right um that's another thing so um obviously we all know what the Raiders have in Darren Waller unfortunately you know one of the best tight ends in the league <laughs> uh from our perspective of course very very great player had him in fantasy a couple of years ago it was awesome um but outside of Darren Waller who do you think becomes that reliable number two for Derek Carr this year Brian Edwards and uh, Brian Edwards is a guy that I've, I've gone on probably five different podcasts in the past two weeks and you can ask anybody Brian <laughs> Edwards is my guy so I've got two guys that I'm like that I'm rallying hard for Brian Edwards and Foster Moreau those two are okay. guys that I think are going to have breakout seasons Foster is rookie year I think he had five touchdowns they were all in the red zone uh, he's a big red zone target uh, tight end out of LSU. I think the Raiders have the ability to have the number one tight end tandem in the NFL. And that's, that's facts. So that's not anything homerism or anything. You got Darren Waller, who's a top three tight end. You got Foster Moreau, who's, you know, relatively unknown and he's gaining traction, but Brian Edwards, I think is going to be that guy. And it's not, it's not the T.O. comparisons. It's not the Devonte <laughs> Adams comparisons. It's not the Randy Moss. It's the fact that the guy is six three, two twenty. He's fast, he's physical, he goes up there and get a jump ball, and he runs solid routes. On top of that, he's been working out with Derek all offseason, and they've been working on their time, and they've been working on their chemistry. Derek trusts him. And the thing with Derek is if Derek trusts the receiver, that receiver's going to eat. He had that trust with Nelly last year. He had that trust with Crabtree for all those years. And yeah. that's where you're going to see a guy eat, and I think that Brian Edwards is going to be that guy. Yeah, so uh, if you're into fantasy football, guys, it sounds like you you buy some Brian Edwards and Foster Moreau. Um, maybe yeah. outside of those two, who could you see having like a breakout season for the Raiders? Offensively or defensively? Uh, let's go defense since you just talked about Brian and uh, Foster Moreau. Defensively, I would say, you know, I, I think that a breakout season, I don't know if you can call it a breakout season because his first season he had double digit sex, but I would say Max Crosby. I think that Max is going to feast having Yannick on the other side. You know, you, you finally have a pass rush again. The Raiders made the colossal mistake of trading Khalil Mack (laughs) and, you know, having one of the greatest pass rushers in the game over to Chicago and, you know, not really getting a lot for it. Um, You know, obviously we got Josh Jacobs out of it. We got Jonathan Abram, but he's, you don't know what you got with that. And you take Cleveland Farrell at four. I'm a big Cleveland Farrell supporter. I think that Cleveland's a solid player, but he's a casualty of where he was drafted. Right. If he was drafted at 24, you know, if they if they had swapped the Josh Jacobs and Cleveland Farrell picks, we wouldn't be having the Cleveland Farrell conversation. But because of where Cleveland was picked, that's where we have the the issues. But I think Max is going to be a guy that's that's really going to come into his own this year. Last year he battled with addiction, he battled with some things uh, during the off season, some you know some injuries during season. Uh, but I think that Max is going to be a guy that can really flourish in Bradley's system and can actually buckle down and, and could be one of the top defensive ends in this league. Some, some strong words for all of those players. 
Um, hopefully, you know, from you guys' perspective, that th- those are able to pan out. And I do agree. I think Cleveland Farrell's a solid player. It's just, you know, he's just not a he's not a, he's not a, he's not a top five guy. Pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do think I do agree. I think he is a solid player. So, um, Kenny, we'll get you out of here on this, man. This has been awesome. Um, what do you think defines a successful season for the Raiders this year? And how do you see kind of that um, playing out in terms of the AFC West? Raiders have to make the playoffs. I mean, a successful season. When you talk about, you know, in your fourth with John Gruden in his fourth year, when you talk about Derek Carr in the fourth year of the system, year eight, one year of the playoffs, um, brand new stadium in Vegas. You went two and six at home last year. You have to make the playoffs. And you don't have to just make the playoffs. You got to get deep. You know, it's not just, hey, make it to the wild card and lose a wild card. No, you got to, you know, if you make it to the wild card, win the wild card round, make it to a divisional round, make some noise in the playoffs, get there, get in there deep, have your quarterback in the MVP conversation, have your tight end Darren Waller in, in some kind of conversation for offensive player of the year. You have to have conversations around that team and you have to get deep into the playoffs. And if you don't, that's not a successful season. Yes. Raiders have improved every year under John Gruden. Now it's take that next step. You can't have a six and four record and then fall off halfway through the season. You have to keep going, have to keep your foot on the gas. You got to beat KC. You know, the Raiders beat KC in KC last year. Yeah. Almost swept KC. And because of one boneheaded play, they ended up losing that game. And so you have to beat KC. You got to beat play. You got to beat teams in the division. You can't lose to Denver. You know, Denver doesn't have a quarterback. So if you, if you beat, if you let Denver be, I talked about this. I talked about this on, on veterans minimum is Denver is kind of like a gimme on the AFC West schedule, right? They don't have a quarterback. You got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So if you can beat Denver, every team in the AFC West should be able to sweep Denver. Unless you're, you know, unless you're playing Denver last game of the season and you rest your starters, you should be able to beat Denver. Yeah. But you got it. You got to fare well against AFC West, AFC West opponents. I think that's the biggest thing. But at the end of the day, a successful season is the playoffs. A very successful season, obviously, is Super Bowl. And, you know, we'll see from there. Yeah, obviously got to get on the field. Very high expectations for the Raiders. Um, in terms of the Broncos, I will say, you know, for the Chargers side of things, for whatever reason, they cannot win in Denver. Like, even when LT and Rivers were in their primes, winning in Denver was just, like, impossible. So, um, I will never predict a sweep over the Broncos or the Chargers <laughs> for whatever reason. It's just, you know, one of those things that can't work out. But that's um, like us. That's like us in KC. I mean, we just, the Raiders just never had success. Even with Gannon, even Gannon and Rice and Tim Brown, we didn't have success in, in Arrowhead. So it's just, it, it all year. depends on, except for last year. I mean, hey, <laughs> but in, in Derek Carr's eight years, that was the first win that we've, that we've had in Arrowhead. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about this season in part because I feel like the Chargers and Raiders both are kind of on the same level of they need to win this year. Yeah. They they probably are kind of right in that same, you know, 10 plus wins for the season, hopefully. And the AFC in general, man, it, it's loaded. So it's going to be a fun race to watch. Um, where can Chargers fans find you on Twitter? Uh, I'll just let you plug your podcast because you do a lot of work for Blue Wire Podcast. So where can Chargers fans give a listen uh, if they want some intel on the Raiders? All right, Charger fans. I troll a lot. So, you know, uh, <laughs> don't 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 come here. Don't come here with a weak heart. Uh, but you can catch me on Twitter at 
Kenny King underscore junior. Um, you can check me on blue wire. I have my own pod real talk with Kenny King junior anywhere podcasts are found. Um, I also am the co-host of the Raider Cody podcast. I'll be doing some stuff with him out in Vegas as well. Um, and then also you can check me on YouTube. It's just Kenny King jr. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good follower. I mean, I've, I've got some chargers <laughs> that, that follow me that, you know, we have, we have good fun banter and, you know, interactions. I troll, I troll pretty hard. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. It's all good fun. Uh, you had Sean Merriman on your show, didn't you? I did. It was, that was a fun one. Sean's actually, Sean's become a pretty good friend of mine. Sean's, Sean's a good dude. He is a good dude. He's a, I don't yeah. know if you've seen his, um, I forget what they called, but he does like a beer pong questions with the players. Yeah. Thing yeah. For the chargers. I don't know if you've seen that, but that, that's, that's been some awesome content for us to watch. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got a couple pods of his own and he does the thing for the chargers. He's, he's a good dude. He's, he's got his hands on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, he, he's another guy that likes to troll. So I think yeah. that's where, where <laughs> me and Sean kind of built that friendship is that right. like, we, we have the same kind of sense of humor and the same kind of personality where we're going to, you know, we're going to dig at you. But that's what football's about. You know, football's yeah. about having fun. Fanatic is short for fan. And if you're not having fun, then what's the point of even talking about it? Exactly. Exactly, man. Especially, you know, the Sean, uh, his visit to to Allegiant Stadium, that was a oh, funny troll for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got him back on that one too. <laughs> oh, good. Good. All right, man. Well, this has been great. Chargers fans, make sure and give him a follow. Obviously, we know the intel on the division rivals is always something to look forward to. Um, throughout the season and uh, we wish you guys nothing but the best this year hopefully you guys are uh, having some successful podcasting numbers as well and we look forward to uh, chatting with you in the future Kenny appreciate it man anytime all right let's talk about the uh, Chargers and 49ers Uh, we're going to mention here as well that uh, our official betting partner Busser has uh, the 49 the 49ers listed as a 5.5 favorite. Um, so Alex, what do you make of those odds? And what do you make of the money line on Busser as well for this game? Now, personally, I would not bet on a preseason game, but you at home <laughs> should bet on it with our promo yeah. code NFL 100 FP at booster.com slash guilty. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, five and a half is an interesting line. I, I guess they're sort of banking on the fact that the Niners might play more of their starters, whereas the Chargers have basically just said everybody's out from the beginning. Um, I do think there's also a little bit of Trey Lance hype, obviously, involved in that uh, line from his you know 80-yard throw that he had in week one of the preseason. So it'll be interesting to see you know how that game kind of plays out. You know, as far as money lines in the preseason, it's hard to say because they're really just evaluating you know who they think will play they think won't play so that's just sort of the bet and the chargers have already basically said justin herbert's not playing the entire preseason which it's pretty hard to be a betting favorite when your starting quarterback isn't really playing so that's the one way that preseason odds tend to be different from regular season odds but um you know i i I guess i would take plus five and a half on this chargers line given the performance that they just showed us uh, and the fact that Trey Lance did have a really good throw, but, you know, through the rest of the game, he wasn't that great. You know, he was 4-13 four, four of 13 the rest of the game, aside from that throw. Uh, so I do think there's still yeah. a lot of work to be done there. Plus, you know, he is playing a pretty active linebacker group and, you know, some corners that can cause some problems like John Brandon and some of those guys this week. So I'll be curious to see uh, how he reacts to that and how Staley and the Chargers defense does kind of prepare for that. 
Yeah, the Chargers just played against the Rams so fired up from quarter to quarter. And let's, I, okay, I'm going to call it Samuel Jr. is going to pick off Trey Lance if both of them play. I, I think I think he's going <laughs> to pick so. Lance. And so there's your first interception. If I'm right, come back. If I'm not, don't worry about it. Yeah, we need to get a a prop bet for things like that on on Buster. So Mm. I know there were some people that were a little confused about uh, how this code works. So basically, if you use our promo code, you bet $100 on your first deposit. Buster matches the $100 for you. So essentially, you'd be betting $200 with $100 of it free. So definitely a very tempting promo code. I haven't bet on a sports game in a long time, uh, but I might just use it for uh, this specific you know, event. So definitely go take advantage of that. In wow, terms of Mormon wants to bet. That's how powerful <laughs> Buster is, folks. Yes, yes, let's do it. Um, in terms of the line, I think, you know, most of these preseason games are generally closer um, outside of like the Broncos and Viking ones. Like all of them were single score games. So I, I think just by sheer preseasonness, like I would take, I would take the under there. Like I think this is going to be a three point game, four point game kind of thing. Um, so I think just from a betting perspective, I would definitely take the under there. Um, in in terms of things we want to see happen this game, I I think like I I mentioned the running backs and the linebackers last game, I want to see Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga put it together again. I want to see if he's able to prove that he's a legitimate, like, I want to see him prove it, man. Like if he really is going to make a roster push, he's got to be more than a week two of the preseason wonder like he's got to do it for multiple weeks and by week two i mean like the last week not this week so he's got to be able to put some games together and you know really prove that he's a player and it looks like everything's going well in practice but he he's the number one player to watch for me this weekend I'd like to see Amen Ogbong Bamiga be a little bit better in pass coverage. Um, right. You know, right. so <laughs> I do think he was good, particularly in the second half against uh, the Rams, where he was just kind of wreaking havoc in the backfield a little bit and definitely showed he can stop the run. Made some, uh, made that great play with Forrest Merrill, uh, I think, in the third quarter. So that was kind of fun to watch. But uh, as far as the guy for me to watch this week, it's, I'm still kind of focused in on the kicking game uh, and how that's going to work. Uh, you know, we you did know, have Kessman Nick is gone, right? Yeah, Kessman is gone. Oh, yeah, um, we can talk about that. Yeah, we're, let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> Nick Novak uh, actually did chime in and say that they were uh, sort of doing a three-step kicks last week. So that sort of meant that they were, you know, getting returns. So Tyler was right. Uh, and they were trying to do that themselves. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if they're just kind of maybe try more deep kicking this week and they feel like they have the kicking and punt, uh, return situation solved. Uh, cause I'd like to see which kicker can actually get the ball out of the end zone between Patchley and Viscaino. Uh, right. I do kind of think it is Viscaino in that regard, but I'd like to actually see it. Uh, so I honestly just want the kicking competition to be over. Just pick one of them. If you want to pick Badgley, <laughs> pick him. I, I'm just so over it at this point. Uh, you know, we're just in this, you know, Michael Bandy got cut, and I read it as Michael Badgley. Uh, so that was unfortunate, <laughs> you know. So that's just sort of the state of the kicking competition. But as far as other things I'm happy to see in this game, uh, I'm really just happy to see, you know, more of these competitions kind of work themselves out. Uh, I think another one to pay attention to is obviously running backs. Uh, you know, Stephen just yeah. mentioned it with running backs and linebackers, but Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree, especially with Justin Jackson out, 
and maybe Darius Bradwell, uh, you know, kind of gets himself in there too. He did have that standout special teams play last week where he just stopped a return really uh, pretty quickly. So that'll be interesting to see if he gets more involved in special teams uh, with the state of it right now. It seems like they're just looking for people that can play special teams well. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of use that running back rotation for sure. Yeah, I this is when I'd like to see Roundtree finally take like that not maybe not the next step, but at least be consistent and have another good performance. It I don't yeah. want I'm not a guy who wants to just like, oh my gosh, Roundtree after one performance and then oh my god, no, no, he's he sucks. Like I want to give him a couple performances. So another one here yeah. would be nice to see. But I'm most interested in the interior defensive line rotation, especially because Cortez Broughton is now healthy and he will, I assume, yeah. play. So you have Browden who can make the roster, Gaziano who can make the roster, Fahoka who can make the roster. Covington will be out there. Marill is pushing for a spot, and he potentially could. I don't think he does. Um, but it's like front to back in terms of at least the depth, guys. This group is really talented. And to me, at the scrimmage, Justin Jones was the best player on the field. Um, again, with Herbert doing so well, I think Justin Jones was the best player. So for them to have such a deep defensive line rotation, granted against backups, I think it's pretty cool. I don't remember the last time they really had something like that. So I'm very interested to see how it plays out. And I am starting to consider it started with a photo of, oh gosh, who is it? Uh, Slater, Jackson, and Gaziano all standing together. And the Chargers talking about like Northwestern or whatever. And yeah. I'm starting to think that that connection might actually help Gaziano make the roster. I don't know how much. Shana. But yeah, Cody Shada, <laughs> obviously, clearly, you know like that school they hired someone from that school they drafted people from that school so i'm curious i really am i'm looking at gaziano this week because he wasn't really talked about all that much he wasn't super on my radar frankly most of the interior defensive linemen don't get a ton of talk in training camp but then he comes out and has three pressures on 19 pass rush snaps so i want to see what he can do and if you know he's the guy to keep or if it's browton or is it fahoka who knows but there's a lot of guys i'm interested in in that rotation and it's gonna be fun to watch yeah, Gaziano I will say just as uh, yeah, I was just gonna say as far as Gaziano, like I I think watching that game the next morning instead of live, like you really just you just saw Gaziano everywhere, right? Just being able to pause it every play, like that's something that I may not have noticed if I was watching it, uh, you yeah. know, kind of at full speed. But he was just everywhere along with Rumpf and and some of those other guys. So if he could do it another week again, then I do think we have to seriously start. We're talking about like, you know, is he in this with, you know, Fahoko and uh, some of these other guys that are, you know, potentially on the roster bubble? Because I think he might be. He he was kind of swarming last week. Yeah, he was. And, and, you know, leading the team in pressures, if he's able to do that again this week and again the week after that, like, I don't know how you keep a guy like that off the roster at that point. Um, Cortez Brown, I know a lot of people were like, well, he's injured, like he's not doing very well. I mean, he's been a good playmaker. You know, Tyler pointed out that one of the practices that he went to, he had a couple batted passes. He had an interception of one of those batted passes yesterday in practice. So he's looked really good when he's been on the field. Um, so it, it's definitely a battle that is really heating up. And it's kind of like a pick your poison because I feel like Fahoko and Merrill are really good against the run. You know, Merrill had a great tackle for loss in the red mm-hmm. zone um, against the Rams. And so if those two, if that's kind of, your focus in terms of like the backup interior defensive lineman, you want that run stuffer, um, you know, then you can go with those guys because I, like, if you're looking at this, like, well, I have Jones and Tillery who are my pass rushers. And then, you know, Linval who can do a bunch of everything. And then Covington is a tank. And so if you want another run stuffer, you might as well go with one of those guys. But 
you know, it, it's, it's definitely a more heated position. battle. I think the biggest thing right now for any of these guys is just consistency. And like that goes for John Brandon, who we talked about earlier. If you're on the roster bubble, the best way to make the roster is be consistent. And so whether you're Eamon or, or Larry Roundtree, like you just got to put some good performances together. And, you know, I, I think that another person that goes that that goes for now, too, is Jason Moore. They get a couple of really nice mm-hmm. plays in the Rams game. He's been getting some work with the first team offense, like I mentioned. And I would like to see him become kind of that go to receiver for Chase Daniel in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, Josh Palmer had a very good game but we kind of know what to expect from him. So I'm looking for Jason Moore to, you know, become that go-to target for Chase Daniel and potentially lead this team in receiving over the next couple of weeks. Another thing I want to pay attention to is because they have a quarterback in Trey Lance, I don't recall who's behind Trey. Oh, Garoppolo. He's not playing, I don't think. Garoppolo is the starter. Lance is second. And then uh, they just released Josh Rosen. So I think, uh, what's his name? Sudfeld or Sudfield is the mm-hmm. third quarterback. But we'll go, I guess Garoppolo will have to play then. Or I, don't I actually don't know who he's playing or not. Okay, so then I'm interested to see if Trey Lance plays. And because he's obviously a quarterback who can run the ball, I'm curious what Staley does with a quarterback who can run the ball. And, I mean, do you say a quarterback spy? Is that, I mean, because, okay, with the starting linebackers, like Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, they pretty much have that cover. But I'm curious. I don't want to see what they do with that because that was an Achilles heel for the Chargers. So I'm curious if Staley... Right. I mean, he doesn't have to bring out the bag of tricks, but I'm curious how he handles a quarterback who clearly is very good at running the football. Correction. Jimmy G did actually play uh, that first series against okay. the Chiefs last week. Um, he just did the so, one? Yeah, he did the one. He had three passes for 26 yards on the first drive. And then Trey Lance, I believe, came in until uh, halftime. And then I think that's when that, that started. But... Um, yeah, so Jimmy G probably will end up starting this game unless they've decided that they've seen enough from him, but it seems like it is kind of a competition now, as much as Kyle Shanahan keeps, you know, indicating that yeah. Jimmy is the starter. Um, but we'll see kind of how that works. So I actually do think he will play against the Chargers probably for at least the first drive. I'll actually look it up and you guys can keep talking, uh, <laughs> who the rest of the 49ers quarterbacks are. Oh, it's just those two, and then Nate Sudfeld, the the former Eagles backup, because mm. they had okay. they had Josh Rosen, and then they just released him. Apparently, Rosen's just going to try to stick it on another roster, but uh, I mean that that guy's just kind of done. Um, I know a lot of people are are curious, and we are as well, in terms of who plays and who doesn't. Um, Brandon Staley said that guys like Matt Filer and Ode Ibushi were not playing because he wanted them to have like fair matchups. So I don't know what the 49ers are planning for playing like defensive line starters or offensive line starters for Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones. Um, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I know uh, like Bruce Arian said that he's not playing starters this week, but he's going to play starters the following week. So it seems like some teams are kind of deeming this week as like that last, okay, this is the backups week. And the next week is kind of the tune up for, for the starters. Um, but it's definitely, you know, a lot of teams are kind of doing their own thing. So we'll have to wait and see what the Niners do. And then obviously what the Chargers decide to do after that. Yeah. Any update, Alex? Oh, no. Yeah, you were right. It is uh, Sudfeld as the third quarterback. 
there, which I, I guess they just, you know, kind of <laughs> traded Sudfeld for Mullins. Is that what happened? I don't know. Uh, but yeah. it's sort of, that's sort of what they did. Uh, but yeah, it looks like we'll see Jimmy G for one series and then, you yeah. know, have the Trey Lance show a little bit. I would imagine we'll see a lot of Trey Lance because I think Sudfeld and Rosen both played in the last game and now Rosen's mm-hmm. gone. So I assume that Lance will probably play well past halftime, depending on how much Jimmy G plays, if they give him a couple more series than last week. So um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Tyler uh, is going to be at practice at least tomorrow, right? No, because I forgot it's the one o'clock games and I have a mandatory training course between from one to five. So oh, I, I think they're back at I think they're back at nine tomorrow. Well, either way, I'm imaging cells tomorrow, so I can't. Okay. <laughs> well, I know that there were some people who like went to practice at like nine a.m. this week and then forgot to check that they were <laughs> switched it to oh, two no. p.m. Oh, so no. if that happened to you, I I feel very bad for you. Um, but yeah, so nine a.m. tomorrow, nine a.m. on Friday. Um, and then they have Saturday off, and then Sunday will be the game, which I think is at um, 7 Eastern on NFL Network, if I'm not mistaken. Is it 7 Eastern? I don't I don't know exactly what it is. I, I, I get the time zones confused, because is it 4.30 Pacific? Is it 4.30 Eastern? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's 4.30 Pacific. 4.30 Pacific, yep. Okay, so then that's what I was looking at. <laughs> yeah. Are you, Who are you taking to this game, Tyler? My dad. Nice. So we're both going to go. It's our tickets. Let's do it. There you go. There you go. Is he planning to go to any Vegas games? Any Raiders games? No, it'd be nice, but they're so expensive. Like whatever SoFi's yeah. game prices are, the Raiders t- tickets are ridiculously expensive. So probably not. That's like a future. Tyler wins the lotto twice and then <laughs> gets a Christmas present. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I mean, there's always the dogs, like that. Though. Yeah, you got What's the that? dog. Yeah, so you already got the dog. So, you know, you're going to be pushing it for the Raiders game. <laughs> I know. It feels like in general, like, tickets are kind of crazy this year. Um, like, I was just looking at the the game in Arrowhead tickets, and it's like the nosebleeds are like 350 already. So it feels like in general, ticket prices are, are kind of pricey this year. Yeah, I mean, people want to go back to games, and you know, last year was even crazier. If you wanted to go to a game, to do those selling them because you had to buy four tickets. Uh, so true, because <laughs> you had to buy that whole pot of seats. Because yeah. I uh, looked at Chargers Dolphins tickets last year. Thank God I didn't go to that game. Uh, but <laughs> but it was like, oh, this seat is eighty dollars, and then it's like, oh, actually, you have to buy four of them, so you're paying four hundred. It's like, okay, yeah. well, I will pass. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so that's tickets and are back on the rise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys, any other final thoughts before we head out of here? I know we didn't mention the the roster cuts. Everybody knows what happened. It was just some minor ones. Uh, I was not sad, but I did want to see KJ Costello get some preseason snaps, but it is what it is. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out today? I'm just pumped. They signed a 36-year-old former Pro Bowl <laughs> long snapper, man. Like, what, what a storyline, man. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I guess we got to talk about Cole Maza. Is there is there a long sniper battle? You know, he's hurt. Yeah, <laughs> you guys did yeah. call that technically, not the injury part, but you did say that the other long snapper has a shot to make the roster. And on our first fifty three man predictions, I think you guys both 
almost jokingly yeah. had him making it. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> I only picked it because of the hype video that, that yeah. his uh, <laughs> former god set up. I was well, like, a hype a... video for a long snapper? Sign me up, man. Let's go. That's the same reason that I picked him. And also, you know, you just added into it like, hey, you know, Swinton might just want to reboot the whole special team staff. But Lachlan Edwards was in the first cut. So Ty Long's back. Uh, so, yeah. you know, maybe it's not as severe as we thought, but definitely hope Colmasa gets better and you know feels like he can play in one of these last few games yeah so that was the injury that i forgot uh Colmaza was uh spotted in a sling so how dare you forget him i know i'm i'm sorry cole <laughs> uh if you ever want to come on the show man i'm like let us know um Jesus. but yeah um i think daniel popper said that the 36 year old what's his name again Matt Overton know. or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, Matt, Matt Overton. Overton Overton's is his Overton. name, I think. There okay. we go. Um, but Daniel Popper said that he was, for what it's worth, he was the one that was snapping first yesterday. So I don't know how much that matters. But I'm down, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> Pat There's... McAfee was excited, so yeah. I'm excited. Like it is what it is. Long snappers. Uh, I don't know how much they matter, but. Do we, still have, um, uh, do we still have Mike Wins number? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that it was someone who has played like recently. Like it wasn't like Donnie Jones coming out of retirement to punt. Um, My worst take of all time. Super Bowl champion, <laughs> Donnie Jones. Oh yeah, that was good stuff. All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Uh, thank you for tuning in and, and uh, make sure and leave us a rating or review. Uh, like and subscribe to the channel as always. Um, check out the Kenny King interview and all the other AFC West rival series that we've done. Um, there's a lot of good intel there as well. Check out Arjun's latest video. Uh, and, you know, he does some great work there too. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.